Well, guys, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs tonight. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 10. We want to invite you to be there with us. If you want to just grab a Bible, you're welcome to open up a Bible, or you're welcome to use this little Bible booklet that we have provided. We have it at the door if you missed it, uh, one that we are just kind of providing during the book of Proverbs. It's got the entire uh, chapter of Proverbs 10 in there, so you could you know, use that. And then if you're wanting to do so, it gives you just opportunity to mark it up in ways that you might not feel so free uh, to mark up your own Bible and hopefully just to unpack Proverbs for us and really has been an aim uh, of my desire that God would help us to see it in a fresh way. So we're inviting you guys to that, but we want to just tell you if you're online, you have that opportunity as well. We have provided those booklets for you. You can go to our website, and under the messages thing tab, you'll find the, today's message and you'll find a little thing that says download. Click that and it will give you the option to download notes. And, and you could download a PDF and print it out or just use it on an electronic device and, and you, you kind of deal with it there. However that would work, we just invite you tonight to join us here in the book of Proverbs longing that God would just take it and, and make it alive inside each one of us. So let's do what we, we do. Let's take a moment in pride. Let's ask God to do that that he would meet you in a way that you would understand what he has for you, that he would give you the ability to hear his voice. So I'm leading, but I'm hoping you're asking as well. God, right here we are, opening up your word and yet pausing right now and admitting to you. We need help. We need you to open up our understanding. We need you to breathe into this moment so that both we get it but it stays inside of us and works inside of us that which is needing to take place, that you would cause your word to do what you said it could do. It would be that sharp two-edged sword, and it would just go into the depths of who we are and do that work that only you can do. Reality, transformation that takes place for the truth. Lord, help us to hear that in a way that's both together but personal so that something from this evening would just be you speaking directly to each of us. God wanting that, asking for it, trusting only you could do that, please do that here. We ask for that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to imagine that you get airlifted to some you know, kind of desolate wilderness, kind of one of these survival training kind of things perhaps, and you get plopped down there, no phone, no GPS, and you are now being kind of given the responsibility to navigate your way out. Maybe you're given a compass, maybe a map, or maybe just you know, a, a number of the things in, in the middle of that. If that were where you are, one of the key factors would be that constantly reorienting yourself. That place where you, whether it be you know, through the compass, or whether it be through the position of the sun in the sky or the stars at night, you would constantly be clear that, hey, you know, what I need to do is make sure that I'm moving in the right direction, that I, I need to look to things that would help orient, you know, my perspective so that I don't find myself wandering in a circle or going the wrong direction. It would be very you know, just a part of your daily life seeking to constantly make sure that you are so rightly oriented. In some ways, that's what the book of Proverbs is like, especially in this section. 
we found ourselves arriving at the place where, in one sense, Proverbs is so well known for, that there are just truths being just dropped upon us. Every verse itself being, in a way, a specific truth. Beginning back at the beginning of chapter 10, it really runs from chapter 10 uh, to chapter 26, where, you know, really every proverb, every verse can, and in some ways does, stand alone. It could be one of those things that can be challenging to try to figure out, so what, how do I do this? How do I, you know, apply how am I supposed to tackle a chapter in the book of Proverbs when, you know, we're just all over the map in so many ways with concepts and ideas? Well, I want you to think about that idea of kind of being dropped in a wilderness kind of thing and needing to reorient yourself. Proverbs is one of those places that helps orient right from wrong. What's true? What's, what's what God intended and, and right things to do? And the way it would work for you tonight is it might be as we're working through these Proverbs that, you know, you, we kind of go over a proverb and you're like, yeah, that, that's, I, that, I'm, my life is oriented around that. I, I believe that. That's, you know, that's kind of the direction that I understand. Or you might find yourself landing across a proverb that's, you know, I'm a little bit off. You know, it's like I was kind of close to it, but I've kind of wandered from it. And Proverbs is this place where it's a reorientation to wisdom, to right living, to how do you do this thing in a broken world. It might also be that somewhere in the midst of it, you're going to find I'm way off course. It's like, you know, God is telling me this, and this is where I am over here, and he's right, and I need to be working to say, okay, God, your truth needs to orient my life. So Proverbs is that, and I'm hoping tonight that it will meet you. Again, it might be confirmation in places. As we dive through these Proverbs, it may be like, okay, yep, I, I agree. That's, that's, I, I see that. And so you'll be encouraged that you're on the right track. Again, it might be reorientation, minor or radical, but longing that as we work through these, that it would be effective. In fact, one of the things I'm asking and praying for and even hoping now is that somewhere in the midst of the Proverbs that we cover, that even one of them tonight would be just special for you. And however it is, whether it's just a a confirmation that you're on the right track or kind of reorientation that you would say, okay, that was mine tonight for me just to kind of say, okay, that's where I am. Because again, here it is, every verse really is, is its own truth. Now, it's not that there's not some correlation. We are talking about wisdom and folly, righteousness and wickedness, and sometimes there might even be a, 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 a flow between two of the verses. That said, really, they can all stand alone, that every verse, in some senses, is a nugget of truth for you to seek to understand. And so one of the things that we've been encouraging, one of the reasons we even have this little booklet is because I wanted to kind of approach it in a way that would kind of cause you to step towards that and look at it. So I want to give you a little bit of a legend, a little bit of a technique, just how we're going to approach it, the technique that I'm going to use. But I want to pause and say, of course, you don't have to do this. You don't have to use this booklet or mark it up, or you might have a better design. Go with what you got. Go with what works for you if you're going to use a different template, if you have other ways of doing it, but here's how I'm going to approach it. It's similar to what I did last week. I modified it a little bit, and I'll keep doing that if you guys help me understand what works good for you, but here's how it works. I'm going to use colors in part. I'm going to use green, and and we'll kind of circle kind of the key nugget. That is, okay, this is the focus, and then we'll underline what flows out of it. 
You know, like, what does that thing do? And, and so green will kind of be good, obviously, and kind of focusing in on what it, then we'll use red, but I'm actually going to use a, a box this time. That way, in case you're using just a pen and you only have one color, you're like, how do I do that? Just put a box around those things. So you're going to put a box around kind of the bad cause or bad focus, and then maybe a little squiggly line under that, which is what, what it does, like where that, what that bad thing does in life so you could be rescued away from it. We'll do a little kind of indentation or a little kind of bracket around just the contrasting word, just so we pay attention to it, that which kind of tells us, you know, separating the, the one side of the proverb from the other. And then we'll use purple, kind of for anything that just very specifically tells us, hey, this is what God is doing. In fact, I'll use kind of this kind of crazy shape kind of thing, almost, a, you know, just in the midst of it to say, okay, this, that's the way we'll kind of do it again, giving you the opportunity if you're using just a single color uh, that you could be able to do that. So this is where I'm going. Lots of other ways to do it. I mean, if you just wanted to put a plus and a minus, you know, beside the things that are good and bad, you could do that. But I still think this might be helpful to help us walk through these Proverbs in a way that, again, giving us some orientation, drawing us into the things that we're, what God has for us. So last week, we started Proverbs 10. We made it up through verse 12. And we're gonna just kind of pick up right where we left off, and we'll see how far we make it. We might make it through the end of the chapter. Uh, we might not. We'll just see where God takes us. And so we pick up there in verse 13, where it simply tells us this. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. So this proverb begins by telling us kind of what, what it does. So we'll just begin by underlining it by saying wisdom is found on the, on the lips of him. The, the, the wisdom is flowing out of that. And the key part of it is the one who has understanding. That's the, the key nugget. Like if you have this, it will do that in the midst of it. But, and again, we'll kind of put a little indentation around it, kind of the contrast to that is that a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. This place of discipline and punishment uh, that a rod is a picture of, that's going to be the person who is devoid of understanding. So it's kind of an interesting thing. In one sense, we get it. So the, the key part is saying, okay, understanding is the, the thing we want. If we have understanding, it does wisdom. If we don't have understanding, you know, it's this place that would only bring discipline. And so we just begin by saying, okay, so the point of it is we need this, this place where we're growing in understanding. And I love that that's exactly, in one sense, what Proverbs is for us. But I find myself thinking of one of my favorite verses when Jesus, you know, meets with the disciples after the resurrection. And he tells us in Luke 24, verse 45, it says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Certainly that's where uh, understanding is found. It's found in the scriptures. It's found in the things that God does for us. And so there is a certain place where what, what we need is that. I need God to give me understanding. The ability where I understand what God is saying. I understand his truth. I understand how that applies. I understand where that's going. And that's exactly what's being contrasted here in this proverb. Now, one of the fascinating things, if you'll kind of track with it this way, is understanding most of these proverbs, they're either complementary or, or, or really kind of holding a contrast. But it's kind of interesting at times to think about the way he's contrasting it. So he's telling us in one sense, for the person who has understanding, it's as if it's flowing out of their lips, that, that because they have it, what they speak 
and what comes from them is wisdom because it's coming out of that source of who they are. On the other hand, it's telling us the person who doesn't have it, they are receiving a rod, which has the idea of discipline, which has the idea of punishment. We might say, hey, they're getting a spanking. Uh, they're, they're finding themselves you know, dealing with consequences. And so the contrast is interesting because instead of it saying you know, out of their lips is coming something bad, it's saying what's coming to them is discipline. Out of the wisdom, they have what's coming, you know, what's flowing from the, out, of, out of those who have understanding, excuse me, has this wisdom flowing, but the one he doesn't have, they, they, not only are they not having anything to give, uh, what they're receiving is going to be punishment and, and discipline, and certainly true, and just dividing it, desiring us to say, okay, well, we know which side we should want to be on this, like, I want to know, I, I want to understand, or let me say it this way, I hope you want to understand. I hope you're in that place of saying, and I would think you would be because you're here at church on Wednesday night or joining us online. It's not that place of just like, oh, it was just kind of entertaining. It should be like, I want to grow. I want to understand. I want to. I, I want to understand things. I want. I want to. I want to be. You know. I want to continue understanding the things that God has for us because that becomes altogether effective. Well, the next proverb continues. So there in verse 14 it says, "Wise people store up knowledge." But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. So we kind of look at it, the, the focus, it just launches right out. We're looking at somebody who's wise. And so we'll kind of circle that. Like those who are wise, they store it up. They, you know, this whole place, kind of what it tells us last time, you know, you have this wisdom. Here's the kind of person who says, okay, I, I, I am kind of storing that. I'm bringing it. I'm, I'm building it into, into my heritage. But it tells us on the other side of this, the contrast to this is the mouth of the foolish, the mouth of the foolish. So kind of quickly noting, again, if you're kind of, kind of trying to catch the proverb, there's more here than I have time to go into, but the comparison is between wise people and the mouth of the foolish. Again, it's just one of these things that it's not a exact opposite from what you know, we would have said, okay, wise people and foolish people. But he says, well, wise people, but some now we're talking about the mouth of the foolish. Now we're talking about what's coming out of them. It says it's near destruction. It's near this place that it's, it's only kind of wrecking havoc. And again, there's kind of an interesting picture. And so let me see if I can just help you to dive into this. So we're looking at wise, we're looking at wise, we're looking at folly. So to be wise is to be the kind of person that you're listening, you're wanting to hear what God has to say, and you're kind of trying to, you know, accumulate wisdom. Like, you want, like, I want to get smarter. Like, I want to know God's Word better. I'd like, I, I'm hoping that, you know, given time, I'll, I'll know truth. I'll understand. I don't want to just, you know, be ignorant. I, I want to grow, and that's a good place, and so there ought to be a sense that you store it up. But the foolish, not only are they not storing it up, it kind of has this idea of near destruction. And there's a few ways to kind of take that Hebrew word. You know, obviously we could be talking about destiny, but it seems a little bit more almost a, a contrast. So if the wise person's storing it up, and you could almost imagine this like somebody who is, you know, preparing for, for, for just inevitability. It's like, okay, you know, just, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm storing things up, and, and I have you know, wisdom there, but this foolish person, not only are they not storing it up, it's as if they're always living next to, 
you know, just nothingness, desperation, destruction. And instead of, you know, growing in wisdom, instead of growing in knowledge, it's as if, boy, they live next to this place where it's, you know, even what's flowing out of their, they have nothing to give. They have nothing stored up. They have nothing, you know, in, in the midst of it because they're living a life that is just the opposite of the where, where God wants us to go. So certainly, if you're kind of tracking, the key part is this is the place that he's inviting you to make sure you're the one who's storing it up. That you're the one that says, I, I'm trying. I want to be smart, you know, know more than I knew before. I want God to open up truth to me in a way that, uh, you know, given time. That, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, in the same place that I am spiritually, you know, if God gives us a year. I mean, I don't know if you ever think about that kind of thing. You know, kind of the thing, thinking, okay, you know, are you better off today than you were a year or two years ago spiritually? Have you grown in knowledge and understanding of God? I mean, has your, you know, if you kind of said, hey, you know, yeah, you know, I've, I can look and say, you know, there's been, you know, growth and things that God has done in my, I haven't just lived this stagnant life with, that isn't growing in the midst of it. That's how we want to be. And we should be able to say, God, if, if there's time, you know, I hope, and, you know, that I would be able to look back and think, yeah, I'm growing. I'm growing in knowledge, and I am definitely seeking to be one that takes that seriously, and so he's calling us to be such a people. Well, you can flip the page over as we go to the next one, and he gives it to us this way in verse 15. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. So then you can use a contrasting word in this one, but it's still there, and so we'll put the positive the thing that he's saying is a good thing. He says the, the rich man's wealth, and he says it's like a strong city. It's, it's something that is, you know, able to resist, and it's, it's got, you know, the idea of in that, those days of a strong city would be safe and secure and defendable and defensible and kind of just in the midst of it, kind of being in the, in the parts of that. But then he says the destruction of the poor is their poverty. So we need to pause here just for a moment and, and dive into this because this may be one of those places that you are going to find either yourself absolutely just in line with where God is or a little bit off. Because honestly, this is a really confusing area. In fact, it's not the only time we're going to deal with it in Proverbs. We'll talk about this a bunch uh, in these next Proverbs. And it's kind of how we view money and how we view wealth. And there's a few places that we just need to make sure that we're not going off off track. Let me just begin by saying it's certainly not saying that, you know, all godly people will be wealthy. That's kind of a, a lie that is known as the health and wealth movement. It's a lie that is not true, that somehow our material wealth kind of equates our spiritual prosperity. That's not true. It doesn't work that way. But what we specifically want to talk about right now is neither is it opposed to that. Neither is, in one sense, uh, this idea that, you know, having money or being in that is altogether necessarily evil. Now, again, you may be really good with this, and yet I just, I I want to just kind of reason with you for a moment, because you are living in a culture right now that is pumping out a philosophy that is telling us that, in one sense, to be wealthy is to be bad. You know, those evil one percenters kind of thing, or the, the, the people is that somehow if you're blessed or you're doing well, that there's almost something suspicious about that, that there's almost something bad about that. Now, again, please don't misunderstand me. We'll talk about this a bunch in Proverbs. Sometimes that's really true. 
Sometimes there are people who got wealthy by taking advantage of other people, and that's never something that God would condone or bless. But neither is there a place where he's looking upon wealth as a negative thing. In fact, here he's telling us, I mean, the picture he's telling us is, you know, to have money, it's, it's a safety. I mean, there's something about it that, that if you can store it up and you can have, you know, where you have a savings account or whatever and you have money that's, you know, there for the rainy day and when the water heater breaks or the car breaks, and you ha- there's something secure about that. But having nothing, having, having this place of poverty, it's, it's destruction, it's, it's emptiness. And think about it this way, Dave Guzik, in his commentary on this, says in Proverbs, half of the ten occurrence of this specific term, which is wealth, uh, that is used in this verse, the half of it instructs youth to prize it, and the other half tell them not to trust in it. And in some ways, that's a pretty good, it's like, hey, there is something to say, okay, that's good, but don't trust it. That's a, that's a good thing, but don't trust it. In fact, he goes on and says it this way, you may be called to for, forgo wealth, You must certainly rate it below honesty, but don't despise it. Don't embrace poverty out of laziness or romanticism. And it's a weird place. Again, it may not be anybody in this room, but I'm just telling you, there is a place in our world that in some ways, this idea of not having, of being poor, it's almost like, well, that's better, because you know those rich people, they're the problem. They're, They're the ones that kind of mess everything up, but there's a lie inherent in that. Think about it this way, G. Campbell Morgan, Uh, in the early 1940s, said it this way. He says, this is a plain recognition of the power of wealth and the paralysis of poverty. It is a wholesome corrective to much nonsense talked about today about the blessings of poverty. Wealth may become a curse, but poverty is inherently a destruction. And, And so there is a place where we are just kind of called to say, okay, there is something there just to recognize this, that that that's not necessarily evil. I mean, there's a place where God brings that work and God can bless lives. And again, maybe it's just nobody here. Maybe there's just a, a sense that you're looking at this and you're saying that kind of makes sense. Like you, you know, when, when God blesses and, and he takes care of you and you're able to have something, it, there's, there's a sense of security, but to have nothing, to live paycheck to paycheck and have no, you know, ability to handle the, the trials of life, that becomes a destructive place. And again, maybe that's just fully there, but I'm just telling you, we live in a world that is attacking, that's almost wanting to make, you know, one sense, like, like where someone is blessed or they, or they are doing well and financially as somehow that's evil. And I'm just telling you, it's not, that, that's not that way at all. Money itself isn't that. You know, the love of money can do that, the reasons behind it, but in one sense, again, there is a corrective that in one sense, if I could just lay it there, I feel like I should say it better than this because the, the lie is being pumped out so consistently, and it seems it will continue to be that way, that if you're not careful, you'll find yourself beginning to believe it and think, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, maybe I should be poor, maybe it would be better to, you know, live in some tiny house, and have nothing, and give everything away, and, you know, somehow, you know, I'm the problem, because I have, and, and that's never where God's taking us, there's not something there that would look upon that in that way. Well, there's much more there, and we'll definitely talk about it more in Proverbs, but certainly, he just gives us a place of saying, hey, this could be a good thing, that in one sense, to have that, to have that place, it, it is a strength that can be a good thing. Well, that kind of leads to the next verse. In some ways, there is a connection, even though it stands alone. It tells us in verse 16, it says, the labor of the righteous leads to life, and the wages of the wicked to sin. 
So this time it's contrasting two things. One of it's contrasting the labor of the righteous. So the righteous's work, the righteous's job, the righteous, those who are you know, doing whatever they, they do in this world to you know, take care of themselves and do anything, says that labor of the righteousness, it leads to life. It, it, it's a place that is going that way. On the other hand, the wages of the wicked, the wages of earning that to sin, that is producing that, that it's going in that direction. And it's a kind of a simple thing. There's probably a few layers to it, but certainly just on the nature of it, it's just true. You know, so somebody who's, who's a godly person, who's working, they, they will use what God gives them, and it will be good. Like they'll do, it'll lead to life-giving things. They'll, they'll, they'll both take care of their family. They'll be a blessing to other people. Uh, it, it produces that because it's coming from where they are. On the other hand, you can have the same, in the same job, uh, another person who is wicked. And they're, earn, they're earning their money. They're getting their paycheck, but it's not, it's not going well. They're, they're, they're wasting their money on drugs or alcohol or whatever, and, and, it, and it, instead of it producing good, it's producing evil. And so in one sense, he's telling us, hey, there, there is a way of even seeing this. That it's, it's, if you could kind of compare this to the previous verse, it's not that money was bad. People are bad. And, and, and it kind of depends on what you do with it. It kind of depends on where, I mean, if you're trying to walk with God and, and, and be faithful, it will, that money will become a life-giving thing. The, the wages that flow out of that, it will do good both in your life and those. But if you're evil and you're, and you're walking in wickedness, it's going to be sin. It's going to be, you know, all that you gain will be flowing out in that direction. So again, the problem isn't money. The problem is people and the problem is our hearts. And so again, it kind of just draws us to say, okay, that's where we need to see the issue. Going down to the next proverb as he gives it to us this way. It says in verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. So again, we've changed subjects, and that's the way Proverbs work, and yet again, you can kind of just begin tracking with me, and so you're trying to figure it out, and you say, okay, what's the, the focus here? Well, he's telling us here in the midst of it that the good thing that we want to look at is the one who keeps instruction, who, the, the person who would say, I'm remembering those things which I'm taught, which we just talked about, right? That was back in verse 14, where he was telling us, hey, that there is this place of us remembering and right, the righteous kind of store up those things. But he says, if you keep that instruction, you're in the way of life. You're, you're in that. If, if you're trying to hold on to the things that God is giving you and, and you are taking seriously uh, the things that he's communicating to you and you're keeping it, then that's going to work good inside of you. But, he says, that's the contrast in the, in the middle of it, the, the other side of it, the one who refuses correction. You're, it's going to go astray. It's gonna, it's, instead of it being a way of life, it's going to be a, a way that takes you off course. So, once more, kind of just take a moment, and again, you could take a lot more time than we have time to do here, kind of catch the contrast. Kind of see what's happening here. So, the good side is I'm hearing what God's saying to me and I'm holding on to it. I don't let go. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm taking the things that he's giving me and, and they are things that I'm growing in and I'm seriously just appropriating all the things that are there. On the other hand, he doesn't say that, you know, the focus is on the person who's, you know, not storing up. 
But it even almost goes further back than that. They're not even listening. They're, they're not even receiving correction. They, they won't you know, allow truth or righteousness or God to be the one that kind of corrects their way. So not only are they not retaining it, they're not even listening to it in the first place. Like, they're not even hearing, you know, in that which was going to be. He says, that's going to take you off course. That'll take you towards a life that all we like sheep have gone astray. That'll lead you off of the path that God has for you. So he's certainly calling us to a place again of just saying, we keep it. Can I just pause for a moment and just say, I don't know where that is for you. But I want to just tell you, it ought to be something that you're intentional about growing, uh, learning, being one who understands more than you understood before. And, I, and I've shared this a number of times because it's one of those times when you first learn a lesson, it just sticks with you almost more, though I've continued to learn this lesson throughout my life, but I can remember fairly early on in my Christian life. Um, I, I'd, I'd been going to church, I had another friend who had rededicated his life when I got saved, and it was an exciting journey for me because for me it was all new. Uh, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't have any of those places. And so everything was like brand new to me, which is so exciting. And I still remember just kind of that early place. And so I'd been, I went to church one, one uh, Thursday night. That's back when we had, you know, weeknight services in Calvary and Albuquerque on Thursday nights. And my friend had to work. And so I'd gone to church and, and it was just good. It was a good service. And so I'd gone over to talk to him and, and he was like, man, sorry I missed church. I was like, yeah, you should be sorry. It was really good. Like, it was a really good service. He's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. So what was the sermon about? And I was like, it was a really good service, you know? I mean, I know it was good. And he's like, oh, that, that's fine, fine. So what did you learn? I mean, what was it that God spoke to you? And I was like, it was a really good service, you know, and at that moment, I, I, I came face to face with something that is a big deal. At that moment, church was a little bit more like entertainment for me. It was kind of like, it was a good show. I, I really had a good time. I, I, I watched a movie or I watched a show, and it was fun, but I really wasn't trying to hold it. I really wasn't trying to intentionally retain it. James talks about this in the book of James. He says, hey, don't be that foolish hearer. You know, that here's truth, and you go and you see yourself in a mirror, and he's like, wow, I need correction. And then you walk away and do nothing about it. He says, that, 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 that's not helping you at all. If you can't say, God, I want to hear you, and then I want to retain it. I, I want to retain what you've spoken. So, I mean, you guys probably figured this out, but that's why we talk about it all the time, kind of intentionally. I told you tonight, I'm hoping that one of these Proverbs will be yours. The kind of thing that you should walk out of and say, that's mine, I need to think about that, I need to just take that in, I just need that, that truth so it can be there. And we'll end most of our Sunday mornings telling you the same thing. Was there one thing? Was there something God gave you out of this message? And we'll take a quick moment to pray. And you may not know why I do that, but this is why. Because I recognize that if you're not intentional about saying, so what, what was this? What, what, what was I supposed to learn? I mean, church is not Christian entertainment. It's not meant to be fun, necessarily. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be like this miserable. Some of you are like, well, it kind of goes that way. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, I mean, in one sense, it's supposed to be like, I got something. I'm learning. I, I'm learning things. And God, I want to keep those things. 
so that if you speak something to me, I'm going to hold on to it. You know, for me, that began to be kind of the way I keep notes, way that I'd often hold on to those things, pray about those things, so that hopefully it would grow into that place that somebody could ask me and say, so what did you get out of that? And say, well, you know what? You know, I can't remember all that happened, but I know what God spoke to me. And, and I want to be someone who holds that. Well, all that simply to say, that's what he's been calling us to. That's what he told us back in verse 14, if you'll do that. And here he's telling you the same thing. If you'll do that, if you'll hold on to the things that God is trying to teach you, you'll be in the way of life. You'll be in the course that God has for your life because God is passionately seeking to direct you. And he does so in such a gentle way. He most often doesn't give you 45 things like, here's 45 things to remember right now, though he could give you a thousand. But most time it's just one thing. And you'll be like, I know what he's telling me. He's talking to me about this, you know, this, this is what he's pointing out in my life. This is the area that I'm supposed to be growing. This is the truth that I'm supposed to be apprehending into my life. And if I'm constantly seeking to do that, where I'm saying, God, I want to hold on to what you give me, it will bless your life. It'll keep you from going off course. That's what he's telling you. If you'll hold on to that instruction that you won't be like the wicked who's saying, God, I don't want to hear. I'm not listening. <laughs> you don't want to hear what you have to say. But if I am listening and not just being entertained, but I'm grabbing it, then I'm going to be in the right way. And that's a beautiful picture of how faithful God is to work in our life. This is kind of the Romans 12, 1 and 2 passage where he says, hey, if you are you know, surrendering your life to him and you're saying, God, you know, just change me, you're going to be in his will. He's going to direct your life because you're listening, because you're saying, God, I'm, I want to hear and, and, and that will change and radically affect your life. And so certainly that's what he's calling for you and for me. Calling us to be a people that learn these things. Well, with that, let's switch to the next one. Leaving verse 17, you can turn the page. Verse 18, he just gives us a very simple truth. He says, whoever hides hatred has lying lips. And whoever spreads slander is a fool. This is one of them that it's not a contrast, it's really just saying two negative things. So he says, okay, first of all, if you hide hatred, like you hate somebody, but you pretend you don't, but it's simmering underneath the surface and, and it's there, he says, you're a liar. You have lying lips. That, that's never a good thing. Like that's not the way that God has us to live. And, so it's not a but, it's an and, if you spread slander, and you just talk badly about other people not doing what we ended with last week where love covers a multitude of sins. We are kind of spreading that everywhere. He says, you're a fool. You're a fool. It's just, it's, it's just God just looking and saying, if you're living your life this way, don't put any other stamp on it. You know, if, if, you, if you're not dealing with that hatred and you're not saying, you know, dealing with whatever's in your heart and you're just letting it stay there, even if you're pretending it's not, he says, you're, you're lying. You're lying to you, you're lying to others. It's not a good thing. It's not the way God has to live. And again, gossiping and spreading lies about, or things about other people, that's a foolish way to live. Simple truths, but once again, just telling us that could never be a good thing. Verse 19, he gives us another. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. 
This is one of those fun realities. In fact, Proverbs is going to say this a bunch of times. He's going to again and again kind of highlight this reality. And so he just speaks out to us this way. He says, if you talk a lot, if you have a lot of words and the multitude of your words, sin will be there. Like, you know, if you just allow your, your lips to run, sin will always be in the midst of that. But in contrast to that, if you would restrain your lips, don't say everything you think. Don't let anything and everything that comes into your brain roll out of your lips. He says, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Again, I love this. In fact, there's a bunch of Proverbs that are going to talk about this, but it's certainly one of those places that we need to make sure we understand it. And again, I just want to say it in the kindest way. Every now and then I'll meet somebody that thinks it's some kind of virtue. Like, I just say everything I think. I just, I mean, I think I just say it. And they'll almost like, see, I'm such a good person. Like, I'm not a hypocrite. Like, I just, I just say everything that comes into my mind. And I just want to say, that's not wise. Like, that, that will create sin. I mean, there needs to be a place that you restrain your lips where you're like, I shouldn't say that. Like, like I, I'm going to think a little bit about what I say before I say it. Because if I just talk without even intending to do it, I will hurt people. I will say things I ought not to say. I, I, I just think about this. If you want to put a reference down on the side of the, your screen, then you can just kind of do it there in, in James 1.19 where he just simply says it this way. See then, my beloved brethren, let every man, that's like all of us, by the way, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. He says we ought to be those who are paying attention and don't be fast to talk. Like think about what you're going to say before it flows out. Because if you don't do that, if you're not somebody who's in, who, who recognizes that if you're not purposeful about it, you'll just say things. And, and some of those things you can never get back. And some of you know this well. I mean, some of you would say, wow, you know, I, I was having lunch with somebody and I wasn't even trying to be hurtful. I wasn't trying and I just started talking. And I don't even know where I went. But before I knew it, I hurt them. And, 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 and for some of you, you might recognize that relationship's never been the same. It, it's still to this day a problem because I just let my lips run. And, 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 and that's a, a, one of those places that you ought to say, hey, no, that's not a good thing. Like, there is a sense that, you know, I need to take captive my lips. I need to be serious about, you know, what's coming out of it because I don't want to be somebody that hurts people. In the next verse, it kind of gives a similar truth or gives another nugget that ties into that. It says, you know, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is worth little. So that person who is restraining their lips and not saying everything they think, so they got this tongue of the righteous, says when they speak, it's, it's a treasure. It, it's like, boy, you just, you just kind of handed me money. <laughs> you know, you just, you spoke something and there was value in, in listening to you. On the other hand, the contrast is the heart of the wicked is worth little. If you want to dive into it more later, again, the contrast is just interesting. If it was a one-for-one equivalent, we would have said, well, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, and the tongue of the wicked is worth little. But he didn't go there. He didn't go there because he told us in one sense it wasn't just what they said, it was their heart. It, the, the problem wasn't just with their lips, the problem was what was beneath that is this heart of the wicked, and it just didn't have value. 
It, it wasn't, you know, a, a, that which is a blessing or rich or, or working into life. And again, it takes us into the source that says, you know, it's there that that happens, that it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks, as Jesus would say, and calls us to say, hey, I, I want to be on the right side of that. I want to be on the right side of it because it really does change things. Well, again, the next proverb, it's its own proverb, but it also kind of gives us some of this reality. So flip the page or turn the booklet over to verse 21. It says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. So this time, the good thing is the lips of the righteous. So once more, we're kind of talking about those who are speaking, and they, they have this, what it just told us in the previous verse was this, you know, value to it. But now he says it feeds, it blesses, it it, it becomes something that is good for those around them because they have this valuable tongue. They, they, they speak that which flows out of righteousness. But the contrast to that, the opposite of it, is fools. Fools, he says, they die for lack of wisdom. So try to find, just track the contrast in a moment. Just try to think it through. So we're contrasting the lips of the righteous to just a fool. Again, we're not just focusing on what they say, who they, but who they are. So the lips of the righteous, they're a blessing. Uh, they, they bless other people. But the fool, not only do they not bless anybody else, they die for lack of wisdom. That their own poverty, not only, can, not only are they not being a blessing to others, their, their, their lack of walking in God's wisdom, it becomes that that shrivels their own life up. It's that, that becomes that that kind of makes them not only not helpful to other people, but it's destructive to who they are because they are that fool. Because instead of being righteous, they are the one that is not only not a blessing, but they themselves are in a desperate, ugly place. Simply said, kind of in one sense to say, okay, that makes sense. And again, to kind of invite us to say, okay, I want to make sure that I'm oriented because I, I know which side of this I want to be on. I mean, it should be kind of clear, like, that's where you want to be, but it flows out of that. Okay, let's keep going. We have time for a, a few more. There in verse 22, it gives it to us this way. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So now this is one of the ones that isn't just giving us truth, but it's giving us a picture of God. So I'm going to use purple, kind of do kind of a geometric shape around it just to make it different on the page. So in case you're using just a regular pen, you can do that. But the good thing that he's focusing on is God's blessing. That when God, when, when it's God that's blessing, when it's God that's blessing one, when he makes one rich, when, when he's the one that's doing that, he says, and when he does that, that's kind of the additive there, he adds new sorrow with it. So this kind of dives back into that again, a reality. Not everybody that has money is doing it well. Some people take advantage of people. Some people are abusive. Yes, that's certainly true. But there is a place that God blesses. There is a place where God blesses, where he makes one rich. And that could be its own concept all by itself. What does it mean? I mean, does that mean he's going to make us extremely wealthy? Well, no. I mean, to be rich means that we have what we need. I mean, Paul would tell us with food and clothing, be content. And there's a sense that we have this ability that we could do all things, Paul would tell us in Philippians, through Christ who strengthens us, which would include just kind of living with less, but it would also include having more, because he said that. He says, I could abound, I could have little, Paul would tell us in Philippians 4. But when it's God's blessing, 
Instead of somebody taking advantage of somebody or sin doing it, when it's God's blessing, not only is it a blessing, it just has no sorrow to it. That's a beautiful picture. And the simple reality is when people get ahead in life at the expense of others and and do so in a way that takes advantage of other people, there's sorrow to it. Whether they feel it right away or not, it's just simply true. But God's blessing has none of that. I mean, God's blessing is like, hey, this is God's. He's the one that's blessing. And there's just not, you know, you don't, there's no guilt to it. There's no sorrow to it. That's the way it ought to be. But one more time, here's what I need to say. Would to God that you believed that fully. But I'm telling you, and I know it's not true for everybody, but there's some of you that are so tainted by the world's lie of this that you almost can't accept that. I mean, that almost you feel guilty for anything. I mean, some of you, you have been blessed. God has blessed you financially. He's blessed you in your job. He's blessed you in things that you have. But in one sense, you're always like, I just, I feel guilty. I mean, I just feel guilty because I can never enjoy anything. And again, if, if you did it wrongly, if you took advantage of somebody or used it, then that would, there's, there's guilt to that. But if it's God's blessing on your life, says there's no sorrow to that. I mean, doesn't, I mean you, maybe you'll use it well. Maybe you'll be a blessing to other people. Maybe you'll invest in missions. Maybe you'll take care. I mean, you'll, it, it will do what money should do. But when God does it, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. And again, that's one of the fundamental kind of things that, again, in Proverbs, that for somebody here this evening, you're going to recognize, I am off course. Because somehow, for me, money is always bad. Somehow for me, it always is that, you know, okay, you know, it's just necessary evil kind of thing in the midst of it, instead of saying it's not that. It's not that. I mean, if it's evil, the evil was in you. Money just reveals it. But if, it, if it's God's blessing, there's nothing evil about it. There's no place that it would be about that, and there is no sorrow, nothing from him that he wants us to have there. And so he invites us to see it that way. So he invites us to see the things that he has for us. Let's do another. Proverbs 23. He says, To do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. So he gives this idea, and in one sense, it's the flowing out. So he says, you know, to do evil, to do the wrong thing, it's like sport to who? To a fool. So the fool is the one that we're looking at and who's living this kind of opposite of wisdom, opposite of which good. He says it's like sport to them. That's a pretty powerful description, by the way. It's a pretty powerful description to what evil and sin is to those who are rejecting God in his ways. David Guzik says it this way. He says, the fool regards evil as entertainment, as sport. Not only is it meant for enjoyment, but there is also a competitive aspect to evil among fools, each trying to outdo the other. And I just want to tell you, it's like that. That's like, that's true. Like, that is so true. It's like when people are doing wrong and there's like evil, not only do they seem to get pleasure out of it, sometimes it feels like they're competing. Like they're trying to, I mean, somehow it becomes like, you know, I can do worse. And and it becomes this kind of this place where they're, you know, trying to outdo, trying to compete. It's like a sport to people. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm winning. It's like, well, you're winning at what? You know, like, I don't even understand what that looks like. Why would that be your life? But he says, in contrast to it, you know, this man of understanding, this one who God has given him understanding that God is open to them, uh, the things that he has for them, the one who has that, you know, the the one, he's going to have wisdom. 
He's going to have the, the things that would be, you know, just the, the way that would handle doing life well, which would be the, the way that he would have us to live. You know, that's probably a good thing for us just to think about for a moment, because that's kind of where we spent a bunch of our evening, right? I mean, we've talked about it from the beginning, from the very first proverb we talked about, where you know, he invited us to be those ones who have understanding, that would have that. And we've talked about understanding as something that you hold on to, that you listen to God and you hold that, and you're remembering the things that God is teaching you, and you're trying to apply the things that God is, is teaching you. He says, that's what you would have. This person who has that understanding, boy, your life, would instead of it being this, you know, evil like a sport, it would be marked with wisdom. And those are two very different things. And it's interesting to me that he contrasts them. It's interesting to me, again, that in this, you know, as God says, okay, here's evil and here's good, he says, you know, for the evil, it's like a sport. It's like they're competing. It's like they're, they find entertainment and they're competing with one another to do evil. But on the other hand, it's just somebody who understands how to do life. Boy, they're living in wisdom. They know who they are. They know what life is. They know how they're supposed to live. And in one sense, just the comparison all by itself is fascinating to realize that from God's perspective, he says these are two opposite ways of living. You know, he's not, he's not challenging us to say, hey, well, we should make you know, righteousness is like a sport. Like, we should be in competition with one, and it's like, that would actually probably be weird as well. You know, it, it, it doesn't actually do that. It isn't that. You know, instead, I'm just saying, God, I, 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 I'm listening to you. I'm letting you open up my understanding to truth, and I'm appropriating that. I'm that person who's holding on to wisdom, and he says, if you do that, if you walk in wisdom, you're walking in that way of life, and that would be a very, very good thing. You know, so I find myself thinking, thinking we'll probably just close there this evening. We didn't even make it to the end of the chapter, but again, it's kind of hard kind of navigating through Proverbs because each one stands unique, but at the same moment, again, I just want to hold this, this proverb out to you and in one sense just invite you to this course to invite you to say, well, you know, if there's a, a, if you could see it, like, okay, you know, door A is to do evil like a sport, and door B is to be someone who has God's understanding and and living in wisdom, I just want to invite you to that wisdom. And, And so how do you do that? Well, again, the idea is that God is so faithfully seeking to do this. He's inviting you to be a person that understands his truth, that Jesus did for the disciples what we need, that he would open up our understanding to comprehend his truth. And I love the way that God does this, that though there is so much you need to understand, though he could give you a thousand or a hundred thousand things that you should understand right now, he just doesn't do it that way. He's inviting you to a course that says, I will show you something grab it. Learn that, and then I'll give you something else, and then I'll show you something else, and then, so your whole life will be that. I mean, you're never going to get to the place that's like, boy, I've kind of gotten to the place that God doesn't have to teach me anything any longer. I totally got it figured out. It's like, no, I'm still learning. In fact, sometimes it's like I'm learning the lesson, like I thought I learned it, and God's like, ah, now we're going to take it another layer, layer deeper. Like, you learned, like, you know, first level, and now it's like, okay, we're going, but it's still this, okay, I'm still trying to learn. I'm still trying to learn. But if that's the way you're doing your life, it'll keep you on course, 
He says, he who has that understanding, you're in the way of life. If you keep understanding, you're in the way of life, and, and, and that'll be a blessing to you because you're, you're seeking to live that way, and it's a beautiful way to live. So maybe you are. Maybe, maybe that's what you're doing here tonight. Maybe that's a consistent part of your life, but I do wonder. I do fear that for somebody, that's not what you're doing. In one sense, church, it's like a sport. It's like entertainment. It's like, well, I just came. I saw it. It was good. A good message, bad message. I liked the songs. I didn't like the songs. It was fun. It wasn't fun. As if somehow that was the value of this. Instead of saying, God showed me something. Now, see, I'm aware of how that can work. I believe that if you're listening, sometimes it'll be something I say. And then sometimes I won't have any part of it at all. I mean, like, we'll read a verse and you're like, Doo! You know, and it has nothing to do with anything else I say, but you're like, God just spoke to me. I mean, I was here, and yes, I was listening, but something happened. I mean, I got something out of this. And I should tell you, God, is, I love that he does that. But that's what you're supposed to be doing, and I hope that you are. I hope that tonight you're like, of course, Jim. I mean, that's kind of what I do, and, you know, I'm trying to grow. I want, to, I want God to change me. I want to be different than the person I was. I'm hoping that day by day I'm being transformed into the image of Christ, and, and I hope that he's shaping me. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. But if it's not, or if maybe tonight you just need to recognize you're not doing that well, maybe it's the time to say, okay, I want to grow in that, because, again, we try to encourage it every time. That I'll tell you what I told you tonight. I hope one of these truths is yours. And I'll tell you every Sunday, hey, hear one thing. Get one thing out of this. Take one nugget that's like, okay, this is what God said to me. Be that person that does that intentionally. So that not only you could answer the question if somebody asked you, so what was it you got out of church today? What was it you got out of church Sunday? Hopefully you could answer that question. But not just so that you could answer the question, but you could say, okay, God, I want to learn that. I mean, for me, I take those nuggets and I pray about them. And it's like, okay, I think about them for a little bit. It's like, okay, okay, the next day I'll kind of go back and review. It's like, so God spoke to me yesterday about this. Okay, good Lord, let's grow. And, and you know, it just becomes a part of the process. Be that person that does that. Be that person that grabs hold of the understanding that Jesus would lay right in your laps. Don't be that person who... Life is like a sport. It's, just, it's all about just, you know, it's competition. It's, fun. it's, it's, it's just living. It's, it's emptiness. It's going astray. So let's go before God right now. Ask him for that. Just ask him that he would take that which he's spoken to you tonight, make it deeper, and we'll close in worship and just ask that he makes that real. Father, we thank you tonight for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are a God who is so gentle and so real in the way that you would work this in us. I thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit for this very purpose, to guide us and grow us in your truth. Lord, I, for one, just want to admit how desperately I need that. I know you could just lay a ton of things on me that I need to grow in, but I'm so grateful that you just consistently seek to open up truth and, and, and transform my life and our lives. God, would you make it that even tonight that we would have heard that one thing, that even tonight we would find ourselves saying, I heard that, and I know what he was saying to me, and that, that proverb, that one proverb, or that one nugget out of that proverb, that was mine. God, take that so we both see that, 
but then it works in us, that it's that sharp two-edged sword that is doing something inside of us, that is shaping us and changing us because your truth does that. God, I'm so grateful that that process then becomes just that consistent thing, that if we do that, we're in the way of life. If we do that, you're working good on us. God, help us to be in that place. I simply ask for it. I know that many, maybe most, that's where we are. But some of us aren't. Some of us, we, we've, we've kind of gotten off track on that. So just grab us and make us zealous to grow in understanding, to grow in your truth, to grow in your ways. Lord, that we would hear what you would speak to us and be changed. Ask for that right now as we just honor you for who you are and we ask for that from you tonight. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.